Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Happy fall, even though it's 90 degrees out. (laughs) The start of the school year, we took a break like we did last year. We're ready to just come at you and bring you so much information you're going to vomit. I'm just kidding. It's wild that we're here. I feel like it was just yesterday that we are talking about the start of last school year. And if you would have asked me back then, what would the 2021-2020 school two school year look like? I would not expect it to look like this. But right. I think we all had different expectations. We thought things would be different. but Absolutely. And so we're bringing you kind of a little series of just like updates from COVID pandemic. And even though it's like what the third week of August, like Amanda and I have already attended IEP meetings. Like it's already like we're in it. So well, you're started. So yeah. we're going to bring you this week, next week and the week after. So the next three weeks will be kind of an intro to the school year, give you everything you need to know about mask mandates, safety protocols, you know, new bills that have been brought into place and some tips and tricks and how to best prepare and start the school year off right. Hopefully this little series gives you kind of the momentum you need to get into the school year. I know we're all exhausted and it's crazy that we're just starting. It seems like it's the end of a school year, but you've got this. Absolutely. So today's episode, we wanted to kind of go over and refresh what the COVID guidelines would be for a return to in-person instruction. As we know, we had a lot of kiddos, especially in Southern California, that returned to in-person April of 2021. So there were various kind of mandates that were put into place. So a lot of people, and even in the fall of 2020, right, when when there was hope that we were going to go back, you know, you were hearing about social distancing, you were hearing about different types of masks that, you know, kiddos could wear or not wear, and the number of kids in a classroom and things like that. For having a year pass by, you know, California, and especially with the the CDC making their recommendations, California was able to provide a safe schools for all hub through their cde.ca website. And basically, this was like the place to go if you were like a school administrator. And it was updated just July 12th, 2021. And it's the California Department of Public Health that is really behind putting these like guidelines. I was going to say protocols, but it's guidelines. So right. Take everything other than just upfront the mask mandate, which we'll get into, but everything else is a guideline. So, you know, as a parent, we're seeing the school year return and we have the real focus prior to Governor Newsom making the mask mandate, which which did happen, I think, in July, too. He was like, all right, like, we're doing masks, yeah. right? So it all and kind of stemmed from there. Before all the controversy, I know we're seeing it across the country of certain governors having bans on mask mandates and we have school districts that are challenging that thankfully 
California, yeah, I mean, as with a lot of things, we're the first. So first to kind of put in that mask mandate and then more recently first to put in the vaccine or testing mandate. And so then this guideline, which I thought was this guidance from the California uh, Department of Public Health, really kind of almost revolves around like vaccination is number one. Like this is what we want for everyone that is eligible, right, 12 and over, is to be vaccinated. Under that, really right under that, is wearing a mask. So what we're going to be seeing is a mask mandate. Obviously, there's going to be some exceptions. We'll get into that. But the purpose of the mask is to help control, like, aerosols and droplets, both. Because with physical distancing back in the day, that was really, like, trying to reduce, like, the droplet-like transmission. But masks can do both. So that's why I think... Um, here in California, we went with that, right, at first. Right, and, and the reality of that is it's less social distancing, less physical distancing, which I think we're going to see bringing back social groups, sports, a lot of those activities a lot more, but with masks. And, of course, that means we're going back to a lot of kids in a classroom. We're no right, longer right. out. And we're going to see the majority of kids going back because, unlike last school year where there was an option between – continuing virtual and being at school, most of the districts no longer have that option. I know as of the last few weeks, because of the Delta being crazy, like some districts are starting to scramble and find more of a virtual, but like most districts, it's a, you're in person full time or you're on an independent study, which is not virtual. And we will be talking about independent study in our third vignette, if you will, in this series. So we will get back to you about that information. So just hold tight with that. We really just wanted to paint a picture as to what school districts are obligated or best practices. And right right up at the front, we have masks, right? So it depends about outdoor that's really going to be left up to the districts. It's it's optional in K through 12 to have masks outdoors, but you know, those masks are required for indoors and there are exemptions, right? So this is probably the world in which a lot of our kiddos may live in. And you know, up front there's always going to be a medical exemption, right? So I think it depends on the district. I know I already saw kind of LAUSD's like exemption form. So, you know, definitely go to your local district and I'm sure it's online to see what it is that they are requiring in terms of being exempt for for mask, for having to wear it indoors. Some districts have opt for, okay, well, if you're not going to wear like a traditional like cloth or disposable one, then you're going to be with a face shield with some sort of covering like underneath. Like there's just, there's a lot of different um, kind of alternatives that some of the districts are like looking into. But essentially the schools are developing and implementing those local protocols to figure out, you know, the face covering, right? Same with like if the kid forgets their mask or things like that, right? So these are all the things like we have to take into consideration. Unlike Mm -hmm. last year. So last year we had, you know, the counties in different tiers in California that we're talking about like, oh, well, if there is an outbreak and whatnot and what. So we don't really have those tiers to the same extent. So what happens if someone does test positive for COVID? We don't. So the school districts are required to kind of put together their own protocols. And the state has come down and said, look, 
we think frequent testing is important. We'll pay for it. You just come up with like your protocols. Yeah. And they've put together some guidance and some sample like protocols on testing. Yeah. But like the biggest thing is they advise is that obviously if anyone has COVID symptoms, they're not supposed to return to in-person instruction until they've met all of three criteria. So mm-hmm. one is that I have a negative COVID test mm-hmm. or a healthcare provider has provided documentation that the symptoms are due to something else at least 10 days or at least 10 days have passed. Okay. That also at least 24 hours have passed since the resolution of a fever without the use of fever reducing medications. And then three, all other symptoms have improved. So essentially a kid or an adult out of school test positive before they can come back to in-person, they have to fall. They have to meet all three of these criteria. If someone tests positive for COVID, they must isolate at home for at least 10 days since their symptoms began and 24 hours after the fever goes away. And this is part of the Department of Public Health's July 2020 guidance on isolation and quarantine. So they're still kind of following that. If they test positive, but they don't have symptoms, they, they can discontinue isolation after 10 days, but they still have to do 10 days. If there's no symptoms, they don't need a negative test to come out of isolation. The CDC has maintained that people who test positive for COVID aren't likely to be infectious 10 to 20 days after And then the other thing is the reporting of testing. So Assembly Bill 86, which is approved in March, requires schools to report COVID cases to the local public health department. And so the local public health department is supposed to then help that school do contact tracing and determine what the next steps of like protocols. So it's really going to come down to the county health department. So each county is going to be very different on how they respond to this. It's not going to be just the districts. Right. They're supposed to do contact tracing and have a COVID liaison with the Department of Health and the school district. If a vaccinated person comes in close contact with someone who tests positive, then they only have to quarantine if they show symptoms. And close contact is defined by CDC as six feet of an infected person for cumulative of 15 minutes or longer over 24 hour period. I mean, and it seems um, like a lot, right? But you have to take into consideration that a lot of these schools, like individual schools, have been doing this since at least April, right? So we're not seeing the backlash that we've been seeing in Florida or Texas with the you know, mask bans where kids are just like, they're shutting down classrooms like left and right. I mean, like they've only been a week or two and it's scientifically proven to be able to (laughs) cut the risk. It is very easy. And so you're going to be seeing, you know, these things put in place so that if it were to happen, okay, this is our go-to so that you're kind of, you know, aware of it. And like Amanda was saying, these are all guidelines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should have protocols because they do have different delineations for unvaccinated versus vaccinated. And it also depends on if people are consistently wearing masks or not, on whether or not they have to have more testing or whatnot. So the Department of Public Health recommended that all districts create a safety plan outlining these measures. And they have to be on the school's website before the start of the school year. And then they're supposed to also disseminate it to the families at the start of the school year. So if you're in a district and you're just not sure, okay, Mm -hmm. what are the protocols for my district? What are the protocols for my school? By now, it should be on the district's website or it should have already been sent to you. So if you don't have that, you can't find that, then we do recommend going to your district and contacting them and asking them for it because they are required to have that protocol. And it's important for you to have as much information as possible. Now, I know some schools have already kind of put out guidelines of like who can be on campus. Right. Um, and I 
know that there's a lot of restrictions regarding like whether or not parents can come on campus. Mm -hmm. The state recommended that schools limit non-essential visitors, Mm -hmm. volunteers, and activities involving external groups or organizations who are not fully vaccinated. So what does that mean? I mean, that's still very vague. So would IEP team members from outside the school be considered non-essential? I've already been invited on campus in person to two IEP meetings, and it's, like, ridiculous. Like, there's no need for the parents or us to be on campus. Like, we're fully vaccinated, but, I mean, it's one of those situations where... You know, our kiddos, especially because this is in the age range where they're not (laughs) vaccinated, right, under 12, it's just like, just limit it. Like, be right. Everybody. much as possible. Right. There's like three ways you can do that. One, vaccinate as many people right. as possible. Absolutely. Two, wear masks. Yeah. And then limit exposure. So yeah. obviously we've demonstrated that virtual, a lot of things right. are possible and practical. Right. So, you know, obviously there are circumstances where people need to go on campus, but yeah. to the extent that we can keep yeah. things virtual, I think that's going to be best case scenario for our kiddos with the and, least yeah. exposure. But- and there's no, I mean, we requested virtual. There was no issues. There's no huff and puff. So it's like not a big deal. Obviously, school districts are also still recommended to, you know, practice hand hygiene, right? Those recommendations, cleaning recommendations at least once a day. You know, a lot of school districts had different ways of doing it. They had a hybrid where it was like some kids, you know, came in the morning and then they cleaned or it was like Wednesdays were closed because then that's when cleaning happened. You're going to see a lot of different ways of school districts implementing that, as well as, you know, getting back to having lunch, right? So we're maximizing physical distancing as much as possible. We're cleaning, you know, frequently touched surfaces and, you know, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's a refresher. I think it's a a bit of a spin based on like what the CDC has been saying in in terms of what we've learned about this insidious COVID-19 and its transmission and all the variants. And so, I mean, it's still ever flowing. It's still changing. So these are some of the guidelines that I think are best practices and should 100% be implemented. But I think the California Department of Health, because that is where the mandate is coming from, even though, you know, people don't necessarily like think that. I think that that's why they indicated that teachers need to be fully vaccinated or submit to weekly testing. So this is major. This came out um, last week and uh, Governor Newsom obviously made the announcement on August 11th. And I think it's wonderful. And, you know, two of the biggest unions in California that represent teachers and school employees, so about 550,000 teachers and, and th- people in these unions, were like in full support of this. Yeah. Which and is great. Especially for our younger kiddos. I think it's, I think masks and close contact is easier to control in the middle school, high school, other than sports, obviously. Mm. But like when we think about K through fifth grade, when they're playing on the playground, when they're in classrooms, not only is it difficult to get these younger kids to wear the masks at all time, right? There's going to have to be a lot of prompting and a lot of reminders, and that takes away from instruction. But they're also playing in most closer corners, right? Especially mm-hmm. the, you know, K through first grade. They're yeah. they're playing, you know, touching yeah. and putting things in their mouth, right? Yeah. So the biggest thing is to protect these little kids because yeah. – we don't have vaccinations for under 12. Yeah. We need to make sure that anyone that's around these Absolutely. kiddos, because we know that if one kid gets it, we now know with Delta, right. it is more likely that it's going to spread right. through kids. It's not 
anymore this idea last year that oh kids can't spread it right. as easily right. we're seeing it and, we're seeing it already you happen. know i think a lot of people think that kids aren't gonna do it kids aren't the problem the adults are the problem blair's learning center has had a pretty decent sized i think because they're like state funded and they have grants of kiddos and anybody over two had to wear a mask and they've had no issues kids learn from other kids if it becomes part of the routine then it's something that kids will just it's just like putting your socks on when you get your shoes on it's just like yeah. putting on a raincoat when it's raining outside kids are adaptable now obviously we deal with a special population there's sensory issues there's other medical issues and things like that how However, we know that based on the science, this is the best way and easiest way to protect those that are not able to be vaccinated. And then the CNN article that we had read also indicated that the California Teachers Association, that represents about 310,000 like educators in California, reported that 90% of their teachers are already vaccinated. So this is just like, it's not anything like new in a sense. We have 6.1 million students in the state of California. Now, obviously, not, you know, some of them are over 12, some of them are under 12. I didn't get the statistics on how many of that, but 6.1 million. And we're asking, yeah, in comparison, you know, roughly, you know, under a million of those teachers to either sub- submit to weekly yeah. testing once a week. If for some reason you cannot be vaccinated, like obviously there's always exceptions to the rule. You know, it's, and with 310,000 teachers already, like, 90% of them being vaccinated, like wonderful news, right? So now want to make sure to be clear that these mandates are for public schools. So if your child is in a private school, they're going to have their own rules and regulations on this. I would check with your school to see what they're um, requiring, if they are requiring masks. I know some, a lot of private schools are still requiring masks. They're following the same CDC guidelines. In terms of vaccinations, I haven't seen anything either way to see. I haven't seen any like challenges of it, but you know, they are not um, required to abide by the same mandate as public schools. So that is going to be the main difference. We hope to see more private schools that will follow this lead and, you know, keep our kids safe. Yeah, I actually, the New York Times article I read, I thought had indicated that it would be for both public and private schools in California. I'm, we're, we'll double check that because they are educators and, you know, they obviously still need to have the credentialing. And that was like the first line of the New York Times article was that the California became first state to issue a vaccine mandate for all educators in public and private schools. And so that's definitely something that is different from what we typically see with the IDEA that typically only applies to public schools because they're getting um, funding. But I believe that because this is a public health and safety issue and because teachers get credentialing, whether they're in private or public, that like, I think that's why the wording was like educator. And it also obviously relates to school staff, related staff. So anywhere from the cafeteria workers to the janitors and things like that. So like, I think that's why this is major in a sense, even though a lot of the educators are already vaccinated, it's just that push to really get us all to be on the same page. And before the vaccination mandate, there was only about a handful of districts because it was left up to the districts to decide whether they were going to require their teachers to be 
vaccinated or not. And San Francisco, Oakland, and San Jose, and Long Beach down here were the only ones that were requiring vaccination and or the weekly testing. And at that point, LAUSD, which is one of the biggest school districts, right, in the nation, was only requiring like the COVID weekly testing. So, you know, I think that having this in place and to have each of the school districts then do their own protocols and safety measures of how to comply with the vaccination mandate, he's giving them a little bit of time, right? So they have until October 15th to like fully implement that. And it gives teachers that haven't been vaccinated time to go get vaccinated and things like that. So definitely kind of keep that in the back of your mind as we head into this new school year. Now, obviously, you guys probably have like a ton of questions. We are hoping to push you to our Instagram and our Facebook in order to ask us those questions. We really want these three series now having officially completed our first one for the 2021-2022 school year. We definitely want it to be present as possible. So whatever questions you have, please send them our way. And if we have enough of them, we'll start uh, next week's episode by answering a few of them. And then we are going to be getting into our next topic that Amanda had alluded to with some of the new bills that had come out regarding last fall. The 2021 school fall, yeah, Uh, having to deal with like grade changes and retention and things like that. So we hope you enjoyed this little COVID update. And if you have any questions, please go to our Instagram at Inclusive Education Project. Or if you are in our Facebook group, please just uh, send us a message on there. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.